Ladies and gentlemen and hockey fans of all ages, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Hockey Fans Chat. I am your host, Randy Dillon. We hope everyone had a great Easter. We hope you did something Easter related, rather doing an Easter egg hunt around your house, maybe indulging in some chocolate mini eggs or enjoying a Cadbury cream flurry like I did. Before I get into this episode, I just want to take a moment to talk about what happened last week with NHL forward Kobe Cave. He did pass away last week due to a freak accident. We wish his family all the best. We send them our prayers and thoughts at this time. It's always tragic, ladies and gentlemen, when you lose a loved one. Enjoy the time you have right now and say hi to your friends, your family, because you never know when it can be taken away. In this new episode of the Hockey Fan Chat, I am very excited and looking forward to it, ladies and gentlemen. We are joined by a true super fan of the New York Islanders. You can catch her on Sunday in her very own podcast called Kim in the Crease. Shares a very heartwarming, inspiring story that I do recommend you hear. Please welcome my guest from all the way from Long Island, Kim Mosea. First up, I want to ask you about... You being an Islander fan, you say in your Twitter bio you're a third generation fan. That comes from all the stories you've heard from your parents, your grandparents from the Islanders, or is there a different kind of reason still cheering for the Islanders? No, it's really just growing up, my grandparents and my parents being Islanders fans. My whole entire family is an Islanders clan. My grandparents have been season ticket holders since 1973. When I was a little kid, I remember going to games. It's one of the best memories of being a kid is actually just going to the Coliseum. I used to be as excited as a little kid to get ice cream and watch fight. <laughs> My mom said she remembered when I was four years old and there was a fight and I stood up and I kept yelling, Kill him! Break him! Get him! And people were like looking at me and my mom and she was like, where did this come from? (laughs) So I've always had that little fighting spirit in me, but it wasn't until I was like six or seven. I was sitting at a game and in my house, we talk about it all the time at the dinner table on the phone. We talk about it all the time. And I was kind of getting like in a way pissed off because I didn't know how to add to the conversation. So at a game, I remember going, you know what? I'm going to start to learn this. And I nudged my grandma. And he had just blown the whistle. And I said, why did he blow the whistle? And the first thing she ever taught me was offsides. That was amazing to hear. I always love it when a family comes together to watch hockey. Just someone I was talking to recently. He was telling me how he, the Bruins fan, his dad was given an original six jersey from his grandpa. And that started their tradition. I always love how traditions like that continue as they grow on. You say your grandparents are season ticket fans. I want to know how that's going right now because they were at Nassau Coliseum. Now they're in Brooklyn. Now they're splitting it. I could imagine it's just a headache being a season ticket holder fan with all the different locations for the game. No, definitely. I understand that completely. We were in Brooklyn since 2015 because Kate Murray would not let us do the Lighthouse Project in Nassau County. So we went in 2015. My grandparents did actually give up their season tickets in 2015 because they're older. They can't do that. It's an hour trip from where we live. You have to get to the train station, get on the train, take the train ride to Brooklyn, get off, walk over to the Barclay Center, and then get to your seats. They are in no condition to do that much walking to be able to watch the game. So sadly, my grandparents were not able to see a live game in the span that we were 100% in Brooklyn. My brother and I would find cheap seats online because luckily with the Islanders, you do get really cheap seats up high. 
and we would just buy cheap seats up top so we could still go to games. You know, I was still determined to see them live. I wasn't going to lose that part of what I loved. And I sometimes took my mom to games and my dad, and sometimes they went here and there. But it was mostly me going to Brooklyn because I could, especially when I got into college and I could, you know, go with a friend or something. When we came back to Nassau Coliseum, my grandparents bought season tickets again for the half the amount that we were back at Nassau Coliseum. And they will never miss a Nassau Coliseum game, that is for sure. That I find really unfortunate because that time they were in Brooklyn, there was a span where the team was actually looking to be pretty good. And it must have been annoying for fans being like, you want to see them at that time. But just so gosh damn far because living in Calgary, Saddam's no prize party, but at least it was close living in Vancouver. The train ride's not bad, but just an hour drive just to get there, especially on a late weekday night, it's probably a killer. Yeah, no. And especially, you know, they're older age and they can't do stuff like that. My grandma, she's got a bad hip. She can't even walk that far for me. And that's like, seems already, you know, getting far for her. An hour train ride is not happening. You're just hoping that arena in Belmont can just be built any day now, right? Yeah, well, it got stopped due to the virus, which is understandable. I want it to be stopped for worker safety. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, hopefully will it be hoping by 2021? I'm just crossing the fingers. I've seen the playoff game in 2015-16 where the Islanders were at Barclays Center and NASA yes. Coliseum. I find a different field. Like, it's just more louder, rowdier, and more exciting at NASA than it is in Brooklyn. You know why that is? Or is it more because yeah. people, it's hard for people to attend? Here's the thing. There's a multiple reasons of why Nassau is louder. Nassau, you know, is on Long Island. And guess where most of the fans are? On Long Island. You know, a lot of people don't want to make the trek to Brooklyn, not to mention the extra cash for the train. Brooklyn is also a stadium made for basketball, specifically basketball. It is not made for hockey. One of the things, it's like just about the layout of the arena. You know, the architecture of it is so different from Nassau Coliseum. In Nassau Coliseum, One of the best things about it is it's low ceiling. It's low ceiling and it's more pressed together. You can feel the energy radiate across that arena. Whenever there's chanting, you can hear the, you can feel the energy of the fans all the way across from you. You can feel vibrations beneath your feet. Well, in Barclay Center, it's a high ceiling, very spread. There's some obstructed views. There's seats that are no good. You can't even see the game. And you don't have that same energy connection across Barclay Center. It's, I'd say, like 20 times as hard to start a chant in Barclay Center as it is to do in Nassau Coliseum. Oh, wow. I don't know how to really put in a phrase where it doesn't sound bad, but that's just not right. Can't see the arena, can't see anything. The owner's paying all that money just to get that arena. It just backfired. And you know what? That It was all politics. It's sad because the reason it, we didn't have the Lighthouse Project was all due to politics. The only thing I'm grateful to Barclay Center about is that they gave us a home to keep us on Long Island. Charles Wong, our late owner, may he rest in peace, he really did everything in his power to keep us on Long Island. You know, as a businessman, he was losing a lot of money, but he still did the efforts to keep us on Long Island. And if Barclay Center was that last resort to keep us from being Kansas City or the new Nordiques or the new Whalers, then you know what? I'll take those, you know, I'll take those five years of Brooklyn. I'll take those five years because I still have my team. Good to hear. I'm interested in the Islanders where they are because they're not too far off from the Rangers. They're not far off from the Devil and the Sabres. And I feel like because of the, the success of the other team in the 2000s, the Devils were on top. The Rangers were on top. They don't get looked at or, or enough attention. 
Do you feel that's kind of true or not really? Rangers are an original six team. All the original six teams are put on a pedestal. I feel like every team is going to feel that. You know, every non-original six team feels that anyways. That the original six are, you know, be, are gods among men. I think it's great to be an original six team. You know, you started this league. I think it's pretty cool, all the history. But, like, we're adding on. We got to make it equal amongst men here. But, yeah, no, I understand it completely. Like, I feel like the Sabres and the Islanders both kind of get a backseat compared to the Devils and Rangers here. It feels like we're a second C team or we're the little brother to the Rangers. How many times I've heard that from Ranger fans. We're just the little brother that no one cares about. But, you know, it made a little niche market of the New York Islanders. Money-wise and business-wise, I guess you could say the little niche market isn't very great. You know, you want a big fan base, you know, filling up all the time, like in Toronto and stuff like that. But one of the things that's best about this little niche market is that we have the most passionate fans. And no matter what Islanders fan you meet, you will have a good conversation with them because they know their hockey. They're not just some, oh, I got it as a present from my daddy. These people who wear the Islander symbol, they know the symbol, they know the team, and they know their hockey. And you'll always have a good time meeting an Islanders fan. I'm glad to hear that. Living in Canada, you meet so many different fans. and You just try to get a conversation with them and they just go sideways. It's like, do you even know what you're talking about at some point when the team's getting hot? And I've had that with the Ranger fans too. When I I meet a Ranger fan, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm just trying to strike up a hockey conversation. I'm like, I'll say, what do you think about your game last night? Because I watch Ranger games too. And they, they're like, oh, I, I don't really watch. I just like the symbol. I'm like, oh, never mind. I'm yeah. Like, oh. Mind-blowing. Because they're so close to each other, who do you think the Islanders' biggest rival would be? Would it be the Rangers? Would it be the Devils? Would it be even the Penguins? Because they've had a long playoff history as well. <laughs> Definitely the Rangers. I'm surprised you didn't say Toronto. A lot of people <laughs> would say Toronto now. We have, we have some bad blood with them. But it's absolutely the New York Rangers. It's just that fun battle of New York kind of thing. Sabres don't count. (laughs) I'm joking. But, no, it's always been the Rangers. Like, whenever it comes to anonymity, I can't even say that word. It's always going to be against the Rangers. Like, it's just for fun in, in a way. Like, I don't really have a true hatred if you're a Ranger fan. Like, I don't really care. But it's just like that fun rivalry aspect. Whenever you go to an Islander Ranger game, it gets heated. It gets fun. The energy's bursting in that building. And if anything, we are good friends with the Devils. We are pretty buds with the Devils because if you talk to any Devils fan, they hate the Rangers as much as we do. <laughs> that is good because I've, I've been to a battle in Alberta back in Calgary and Flames and Oilers, they just hate each other. Like, it's so much fun. I'm glad to hear that Islanders and Devil fans get along to that one key hate for the... Oh, yeah. I'll give you an example. A year ago, I went to the Devils game versus the Islanders at Prudential Center. We won. You know, it was a close game, actually. I had a friend, my friend who's a Devils fan, who was like yelling at me. He's like, you couldn't give Schneider his first win, like when he was still (laughs) with the team. It was hilarious, but we had a good time going down the escalator. Devils fans were in low spirits. I was like, you know what? Screw it. And in the middle of the escalator, I went... If you know the Rangers suck, clap your hands. <laughs> and everyone did it with me. Like so, and we got it, you know, Devils and Islanders fans on the escalator got a good laugh. It's just like that kind of camaraderie. Even if, you know, one wins and loses the game, we still come together for one common cause. <laughs> that is nice, but like you even look at it, the Rangers being an original six team, the Islanders actually did have a dynasty before the Rangers even won their first cup in so many years. But yet, because they're on Broadway, they're our original six, they 
with that higher light above them. Yeah. There's always going to be that with the Rangers. They're always going to have that history and things like that. But to me, if you're going to talk to talk, walk the walk. And you know what? The Rangers were close to it at the end. You know, freaking Mika Zibanejad was having the freaking season of his career before the postponement. You know, they were they were up and coming. And you know what? If you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. So at least they were getting there. But the Islanders weren't looking too great. We, we were like, kind of like wipe the sweat off our heads. But I just feel like for the amount of tension they get, they I wish they had more to show for it. You were saying that more of a rivalry with the Leaf, and I think that all go back to John Tavares leaving. I'm really interested to know, as a fan, with Tavares leaving back in summer of 2018, what was the reaction like? And did you know he was already kind of leaving Long Island, or did you have your hopes he was going to oh, stay? Oh no, man! I was thought he was doing a Stamkos because if you remember, like the se- like I don't remember that or the season before, Stamkos waited till like the absolute last day to sign a contract with the Lightning. And I thought he was just pulling a stamp coast on us, like trying to get the most money out of the team, you know, things like that. I did not in my mind think he was going to leave. You know, I, people say a lot of shit. And I just kind of was like, no, he's staying. This is our captain. He loves it here. He tells us how much he loves it here. And then when I heard he signed with the Leafs, I I remember I woke up and I saw it on my phone and I was and I literally went, what? It was just absolute shock. I at first I was like. I, it was kind of like you go through the stages of sorrow. I was like in denial. I was like, there's no way. And then I was angry. I was like, why did he do this to us? And then, you know what? I was just upset. You know, this is someone I know a lot of people looked up to. I know a lot of people loved. I know my brother was a big Tavares fan. You just felt kind of backstabbed at the end because there was no indication where he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm thinking about other teams. He was like, I love, I love you guys. I love you guys. I kind of felt blindsided. I'm not even going to lie about it. Now, if he would go to a different market, let's say, because I know San Jose was in the runnings to get him. If he went to San Jose, would there still be that hate? Or because he went with Toronto, the post came out saying, oh, I'm going back home, my childhood team and all that. Would there still be that much hate towards Tavares with, with a team like the Sharks or no? You know, it's hard to say. Maybe. Uh, a big part of why I was, I'm really upset was like, you know, I was upset about Tavares leaving. I even put a thank you, John Tavares thing on my Twitter. And Leafs fans commented below, absolutely making fun of me, going, you guys suck. That's why Tavares doesn't want you anymore. Attacking me for being upset over losing a player. Oh, my goodness. Um, it was more the fans that upset me more than Tavares leaving. And what actually made me not like the team as much, you know, now that it's kind of died down, we've gotten our anger out at that game. And I just wish he would have given us, like, if he wanted to go home, that's fine. If he wanted to go back to Toronto, that's fine. But I wish he would have told us, you know, guys, I really kind of just want to go back home. And would have let, you know, us, he said, don't trade me. Great example uh, was Travis Hamnick on this team. And he was a beloved player on this team. And he said, you know what, I really want to go towards home. You know, Calgary and everything, you know. And so we traded him to mm-hmm. Calgary and he said... I want to go home. We were more than, you know, happy than to give him his request and what he wanted as a player. I just don't know why Tavares couldn't have done the same. 100%. He was the leader of this team. Like, it was a lot of dark years before he came along. And, that's and what you finally feel like it, there was, he, it's a turning point. He was our point. Matt Barzell right now. He was the one thing mm-hmm. where we were like, we have something to be proud about with this team. No offense. But he really was the only good thing I felt at the time that I was like, you know, at least we have this elite forward on the team. But Lou Lamorello, after 
Tavares left went, one player wins games, but teams win cups. And seeing the team come together without Tavares, I was like, wow, we have a team. I didn't realize we had a team. Everything was Tavares, Tavares, Tavares. And without him, I was like, wow, I'm actually seeing a team come together. I'm seeing lines. I'm seeing not just one player that I'm hoping is on the ice. And I think that's what really attributed to our success. I agree with you there because that summer Tavares leave, the netback thing happened. Barry Trotz come along, Lou Lamorella, the GM. And I think it gave the team a purpose or animation saying, we're not reliant on this one player. You look at some organizations, I'll give Edmonton an example. A lot of people say it's Connor McDavid and Drysdale or Bus. And I think people were putting the Islanders in that conversation before with Tavares. But now it's like, this is a well-oiled machine as a team that the players know their role, know how to play. They listen, they're playing for each other and are not relying on someone else to get the job done. And I think last year was a perfect example of it. I didn't expect them to go the second round. I don't think anyone could have predicted that. But I just, <laughs> And I think it was even a, a better moment where Tavares doesn't make it past the first round against Boston and the Islanders, they do make it past the Penguins and they sweep them. It was them, a nice Cinderella story right there. Were you at that game in Nassau where Tavares did make his return? Yes, or? I was. I've seen it on TV. I just want to know from a fan, the crowd, the energy in that game, because it was something special just watching. Oh, I can't even describe the energy, the laughs I felt that day. Like, to be honest, I didn't go down to the warm-ups. I didn't go to boo him. I didn't. I just sat in my seat, kind of just watched warm-ups from afar. And I think any fan can agree, we don't throw anything at anyone. Those are stupid fans. You know, you're going to have the bad apple of the bunch. And no, I don't think he should have had shit thrown at him. That's stupid. Other than that, though, it was kind of like a time for us to kind of say, you backstabbed us and hurt us. Well, it's time for us to get some revenge. And it was kind of just sweet justice that, you know, the team woke up, just absolutely creamed the Leafs that game. And then the third period, when we started doing the chants, oh my God, I was crying. I was laughing so hard at all the chants, we st- especially when we started Who's Your Daddy? Oh my God, I was rolling in my seat. The energy was so loud. The Coliseum was rumbling. And you know what? You could see the team felt it too. We're just enjoying every single second of it. That game was something I will never, ever forget. And <laughs> I pro- a lot of Islanders fans had a great time that game. <laughs> It's kind of that nice sweet moment where after going through all that in the summer where whether you're going to stay or not, you kind of get your sip of tea at the end saying, we're done with it now. Like That we can, was it. We're happy. That, that was it. That was the release. It was cathartic. It felt good. It felt good to win. It, you know, just for the team to come together against a guy who kind of turned his backs on them too. And even you saw Barzell and Beauvillier did not tap their sticks during his tribute. They did not salute him. I think... Maybe he was hard on Barzell, you know, the upcoming star of the team, taking some of Tavares' spotlight. I don't know behind the scenes, but Barzell was not a part of saluting him. Neither was his best friend, Bovillier. But it was cathartic, and it's over. And that was it. Like, to be honest, we're going to have some of the fans where the Leafs come back, and they're still going to boo at him. But I'm just going to watch the game like it's a regular game. He's a Leaf now. He's their captain now, which, wow. But... And I know some really great Leafs fans out of this, too. I made really great friends out of the Leafs fan base. Some people who are just absolutely positively fantastic, especially my friend. His name's Jordan Addy. 
He's a big Toronto fan and he came down. I met him. He's come to the Islanders game, sat with the booster club here. And he, he's a joy and one of my best friends, I'd say. Out of all that, something better even came a friendship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're mentioning Matt Barzell and I look at him as a player. I don't think he gets enough love and appreciation for what he does. One being on the island, unfortunately, not that exposure, but I feel like he gets underlooked at how incredible a player he is. Like his first year, unbelievable, over 80 points, win the Calder. The year before, put up a good 60 points. Even this year, he's already at 60 before the season was on pause. Do you think he gets enough love and appreciation as a player? He's a very talented young player. I think he gets underlooked for the amount of skill he gets. And he has potential of being that superstar. Um, I've seen Barzell talked about many times in the media. You know, it makes me happy because he deserves it. He's an excellent player. And he's young still. He makes mistakes. You know, there's some things in this game I think he can definitely improve upon. One of them being shooting. If he can get shots, on, more shots on goal, he can become a legitimate goal scorer. But there's a lot of the times just because he wears the New York Islander symbol, people don't take him as seriously as a Connor McDavid. A good example this season I saw was Matt Barzell off the boards, got the puck, he put it between his legs, and got an upper toy department goal. It was gorgeous. It was amazing. And just what a highlight. And all online, all I saw was people going, eh, it's not that special anymore. I've seen so many people do it. You know, who cares? Things like that. I'm not even joking. I'd say a day or two later, forget who did the same exact move for a goal. And all they kept saying was, freaking goal of the year. It's just like Svechnikov's oh, lacrosse goal. Amazing. He should be able to get a gold medal. And I'm like, Barzell did the same thing two days ago, and none of you could give one single shit. It's hard for him because I feel he's a superstar on that team where if they don't have that extra piece. Like some team, they have that one-two punch. Unfortunately, the Islander that just came, I feel, most time carrying the team offensively. But give him a few years to develop a little bit more and he can be something special. Yeah, Barzell needs to learn to... He's sometimes a puck hog, which is, you know, good, but sometimes he needs to get those pucks on net where, you know, you want to see him shoot more. I think, like, just offensively, we don't have that perfect forward, you know, like a Tavares that just knows how to snipe goals into the net. We're missing that depth in especially shooters. It, you know, kicked us in the butt. It's what's hurt us as a team. And, uh, you know, if you look at the Leafs, I like to say that we're complete opposites. Our team is structured with goalie and defense, while the Leafs is primarily offense. Like, if you had the Leafs' core, plus, uh, you know, offensive core plus the Islanders' defensive core, you have a Stanley Cup winning team. I 100% agree with you. Look at the exactly. Blues last year. And even the Bruins, they have that mix. They can play offense, they can play defense, and they get good goaltending. Not one once part's the going to win once you Once the Blues fixed their goaltending, and that was what happened in January when they were last place, when they brought in Bennington, they skyrocketed. It's mm-hmm. fixing that crutch. If we get that, you know, if we get that offensive team, like you said, that one-two punch that can just get those goals into the net, like, the fir- like a first line that's just stellar, I think we could be a real force to be reckoned with. I think they're already up there being a force. They can compete with the lights at the top of the Metro where you have the Crosby's in Pittsburgh, Ovechkin in Washington. They, they compete with every team. Unfortunately, their offense just not there. But if they can get that one piece, I would say they could be up there as a legitimate team no, in the I Metro. Agree. There's no secret. Your relationship with Robert Leonard, well-documented. I find that very inspiring and a big connection. The relationship between you and him. 
it's really encouraging that it wasn't even like his play that really connected with his tough time going through addiction then your tough time it was just something that brought you guys together and I find that just incredible could you just explain that a little bit (laughs) it's something beyond words that I will never be able to say thank you enough to him just for everything he's done for me as a person to just keep trucking keep going keep your head high you know, when he first came out about his diagnosis and his struggles, I think I was like everyone else, supportive. And I was like, God damn, you know, I like this guy already, you know, God bless him. And i supportive of him. And he made history being the first Islanders goalie to debut in, with a shutout. So that was really amazing and really caught my attention to him as a player, especially since I had friends who were Sabres fans and they were like, have fun with him. They didn't want him. I was shocked. I was like, oh, geez, like, why don't they like him? Because I'm loving him. And then um, December, just like throughout college, I just had more and more episodes. And to find out they were seizures in the hospital was a lot because, you know, I'm a nurse. So, you know, I'm like, I don't need to care about myself. I need to care about others. That's my first priority. You don't care about yourself. You care about others first. And so I didn't want to be a nuisance, like on my family, on myself, coming out of the hospital it was like I'm a college days girl and just like can't drive you can't do just you have to watch out for this and it, it's really scary and doctor left and I looked at my mom and I remember looking at my mom in the hospital bed and just started crying and saying I'm sorry I said I'm sorry to her because I just felt like uh, such a burden on the family and it really hit me hard when I came home I don't know why it showed up in my feed but Robin's article appeared again and I reread it and suddenly everything he was like talking about hit my heart and I admired him so much and he became someone I really looked up to getting his jersey meant the world to me because I talked about on my podcast how much he'd meant to me as a player and how I wished I could have his jersey it was just so expensive my grandparents surprised me and then Robin retweeted it which made me cry even harder in the car (laughs) I was freaking out I was like he saw it he saw it I was going crazy Just that little act of kindness, actually, you know, he he was my ultimate hero. He was someone I knew I can continue to be strong. Watching him win the Masterton speech during the Masterton is now one of my main models in life because he said, although I am mentally ill, that does not mean I'm mentally weak. And that was just such a powerful line. I think for anyone watching, it was all over media of that line. And it hit me even harder to the fact where it's something I will never ever forget and something I use to take me through day by day if I'm just down about or if I'm I'm taking my meds and I'm like I hate this so much but it just keeps me trucking like through everything I do (laughs) to lose him was heartbreaking but being able to go to Chicago you know I had great friends who helped me with the trip and my family helped me go to Chicago because they know how much I love Robin Leonard I wasn't supposed to meet him (laughs) My friends Kelly and Spencer Capitosto were supposed to meet him. They're good friends with him. They have a small number. They were supposed to meet him. And I I said to them, have a great time. You know, tell me how he is. I was waiting for an Uber outside of the United Center when she calls me and she goes, get back in here. And I went, why? And she goes, Robin texted us. He wants to meet you too. I freaked out. Like, I didn't even know he knew my name. Like, he texted them, like, bring Kim too. Because he saw me at warmups with a sign for him that said Long Island will always love Leonard. And he knew he knew it was me. I was freaking out. Me and I grabbed my boyfriend. I was like, cancel the Uber. Ran back to the United States. They weren't going to let me in. 
I had to re-show them my tickets. They, you know, uh, Kelly had to come out and say why I was re-entering and they finally let me back in. That's when I actually finally got to meet him and my heart was like racing a mile a minute. I was in awe. Like, what do you say to someone you have admired for so long and just has helped you through so many battles? And he was just absolutely amazing. He gave me the biggest hugs imaginable. And he, I, he told me, he, I didn't have to say words of him about, you know, what I was dealing with, what I've been through. He looked at me and he goes, you are strong and you can get through anything you set your mind to. You are passionate. You are phenomenal. And you just keep being you because nothing, you know, nothing, no mental illness is going to bring you down. And I will never forget that moment of him just speaking to me and saying those things to me. And he just gave me the biggest hugs imaginable. And it just meant so much to my heart that he wanted to take time out of his life. He could have gone home to his family. He could have rested after the game, but he chose to say hi to Kelly and Spencer and me and He wanted to say that, you know, he didn't have to say, oh, bring him to, you know, that didn't have to happen. He went out of his way. And that is something I will just never, ever forget. I'm just taken away from all that in a good way, because I just find your story right there incredible. Hearing about one person's struggles and how they affected you. I think that just human nature, I wish there was more than the world where one person does make a difference. I've had my struggles in life as well. It's never fun, but just hearing you and how you overcame, this goes beyond hockey and everything else. I would have to say that is a true inspiration. Let's keep on fighting. He absolutely was. And I actually was vlogging my trip to Chicago because I was like, you know, this will be fun, you know, sharing my experience going to Chicago, like by myself, enjoying an away game by myself with my boyfriend. And it was really, really fun. I, I put it in a YouTube video of my reaction after, I mean, I'm just a falling like crybaby afterwards. It's just tears streaming down my face. But I'm just really glad I got to kind of like record that moment. My boyfriend recorded me like hugging him and saying hello to him. And those moments, whenever I need like a little pick me up, they always make me smile. They always remind me, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. That is incredible. I'm, it's an incredible story. It's an inspiring story and a story that I feel that people shouldn't not listen to. It's a story I think that can carry many people over. So just, just incredible. I'm even taken away by that. I would have to say you are a super fan. Do you get that yes. or not? Because I, you see your picture and everything on Instagram. You're always decked out in your gear. The lipstick, I think, the best. A half blue, half orange. <laughs> it's really just a, a symbol. And I think there needs to be more like that at the games. Like, I know you have your, you have your, you have your old school fans. You have your classic fans. And you have rowdy fans. I feel like super fans are not involved as much. I think we need more energetic fans to gain the crowd in the game and people involved. Yeah, absolutely. I think super fans are fantastic. I mean, great super fan I met was the ultimate predator from the Nashville Predators. He is absolutely amazing. He gets the crowd going. He's so, you know, energetic. And we pick each other up even when we, because people tear us down all the time. It's nice to have someone there who's just as passionate about their team as you are there to kind of like pick you up too. You know, he's the official fan of the Nashville Predators. He's even on one of their IPA beers called oh, Thanks wow. Paul. Yeah, no, he, it's really cool. And but someone awesome. like him inspires me even. But yeah, I do consider myself a super fan. I'd say like 75% of my wardrobe is Islanders. 
all my fans know me as the hockey girl like in high school everyone in high school knew me as the islanders fan like everyone knew even that, my teachers wrote it in my yearbook that, uh, <laughs> that is awesome because i remember my high school like big canuck fan then and i think my at my graduation my principal i think my principal looked at me and my mom and said i'm glad we got something else other than wearing canuck jerseys so that yep, is pretty yeah. cool <laughs> yeah no that's how it felt at school like and i didn't care you know, this is something I'm passionate about. This is something I love. It's just as easy as for someone to wear a concert t-shirt of a band they love. Like, it's that same passion. And this summer, I redid my room to be an Islanders room. Blue and orange everywhere. I got a six-foot sticker of Matt Barzell on my wall. I made for Robin Leonard's return to Long Island. Obviously, that did not happen. But I made a, uh, like, a fathead. So I was going to put it at the boards for him to see and... Just everything is Islanders in this family. My grandparents have memorabilia all over their house, too. Like, I say I learned from the best, and that is definitely yeah. them. <laughs> that is good. I feel like this is something that will continue on. It's oh, it's not, never going to end. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Before I let you go, I would like to know, what was your favorite moment you've seen as an Islander fan? Jeez, that is difficult. I've, you know what? I've got to experience so many great moments in just this past year uh, alone. Just so many moments that, you know, culminate together to just feed the fuel of my uh, Islanders fan fire, I guess you could say. Some of the best moments I remember are definitely uh, this last season. (laughs) I had a video I posted on my Twitter. It was on my uh, Snapchat memories where you hear me scream, we're going to the playoffs. <laughs> like you hear me scream, like just that insane energy. Hearing Robin Leonard say, playoffs, baby, playoffs, effing right. Like yeah. just hearing him do that. What I loved that moment. My first playoff game, game one versus the Penguins and watching that overtime goal, the entire Coliseum explode with energy and passion just made you like tear up winning the series celebrating with people I didn't even know in my college dorm but just celebrating because they're Islanders fans too and then just even this season when we we were losing two nothing to the Blues in the third period coming back to make it 2-2 with 26 point like seven seconds left I turned to my one of my best friends her name's Stephanie we literally uh, we jumped up hugged each other and we're like jump hugging uh, <laughs> Going on this 17-point streak, like, just so many memories from just this past year that just make you so proud and so happy to be an Islanders fan. I believe this team is on the rise. I think it's some tweaks here and there, but if all works out, this team is a team to be looking out for. I will tell you that much. Definitely. We have already Golshev from the KHL wanting to come over right now, and Sorkin, who's looking to come join this team's ranks as well, and... Those are two very talented players, and I'm excited to see if they come, what they can do to help boost this team. No, that is great to hear. Well, Kim, I appreciate you joining us at this time. Thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you stay safe, and we hope to chat with you later as the season goes on.